Ward by J.C. McRae. A production by Parahuman Audio. Performed by a cast of fans and volunteers. Please visit parahumanaudio.com to learn more. Thank you and enjoy. Arc 13, Black, Chapter 5 Warm up the car, Tattletail said over the phone. Plug in the booster seat and cage. Booster seat? I asked. Who? You want to ride with? She asked, more like she was replying with light annoyance or incredulity than she was offering. Yeah, I said. Half-size cage, slotted into the middle, thanks, she said over the phone. She hung up. And rather than answer my initial question, she walked across the junior team's headquarters and knocked on the frame to the office. Kenzie was lying on Chicken Little's desk, legs bent at the knees so they hung over the front and side of the desk, her head not that far from Chicken Little, while she held a projected panel up. Chicken Little sat in his chair, Chicken in his lap, and Darlene sat on the desk next to him, one foot resting on the edge of his chair. All three twisted their heads around to look at Tattletail. We want to rent chicken, Tattletail said, with the supporting team in a supporting stay-at-home role. You're taking him? Darlene asked. It's good. It's a job, Kenzie said, without lifting her head up off the table. Okay, Chicken Little said. Let me get ready. Don't say yes yet, Kenzie said. Parameters? Guidelines? What's the job? How long? How intensive? How dangerous? What tools should we expect to employ, and what does it cost us to employ them? Then what do we get paid, based on all of that? Good questions, I thought. The sort I'd told her to be ready to answer. Tattletail rolled her eyes, clearly annoyed. The end of the roll saw her eyes looking at me, for some reason. Okay, what she said, Chicken Little told Tattletail. The job is to accompany us, might use your birds. Strict fact-finding mission, Tattletail told him. Talk to your team to get answers once or twice, low intensity. Darlene can take a 15-minute bathroom break to fuss over herself if she wants. It's that mild a job. That's... don't go and say that, Darlene said. One of us on desk duty to go and get the other if we need it, if we're not using microphones? Kenzie asked. Her legs kicked where they dangled over the edge of the desk. Yes, low danger, Tattletail said. I hope it's low danger. Tools? Bring two raptors. And the host eagle? Chicken Little asked. That you called Chicken Large told all the other kids about and expected I wouldn't hear about? Too big, too dramatic for what we're doing. I'll have him fly with, give him a chance to stretch his wings if that's okay, Chicken Little said, getting a short nod in response. Okay, that's good. For pay, let's say 700. Too low, Darlene said. For a day's work, days half over. Tying up all three of us. To a small degree, we don't really need you two, so you can decorate, play that singing game you're too embarrassed to play when anyone else is around. Darlene huffed, annoyed. Or sit in his chair and spin in circles until he's back if you want. You're not that tied up. Don't sit in my chair, Chicken Little told Darlene. We can get you a good spinning chair if you want. I wouldn't, I, I don't, Darlene said, huffing more and looking a little sullen. Even if I would, we're going to be linked up and my spinning around could distract him. One thousand. Whatever, Tattletail said. 
700, but that includes a 30% discount because we'll take a route to stop and get roadkill. Yes, Chicken Little exclaimed. What's What's roadkill? roadkill? Darlene and Kenzie asked, almost simultaneous. Roadkill Barbecue. It's a restaurant. It's so good. I've been wanting to bring some to you guys. It's so worth the discount we'd be giving, Chicken Little said. I've asked Tattletail and Imp once a day for weeks because I've loved it and I want you guys to try it too. That's sweet, Kenzie said. There was no smile on her face as she laid across the top of the desk, hands folded across her stomach, her head turning now and then to look at whoever was speaking, eyes large. At the same time, though, her legs kicked more than they had been, heels banging slightly against the heavy wood of the desk. She looked up at Darlene. Thinking about us. What a good guy. It's really good, Chicken Little said. One of my favorite meals I've ever had and my favorite since after gold morning. It's manipulative, Tattletail, trying to get us to lose out on $300. Darlene was a little quieter, like her resistance was crumbling. Just to get some dinner? Say yes, please, Chicken Little said. Roadkill is worth $300. For $300, we could pay someone to go pick some up and bring it here, Darlene said and still have some left over. Hey, I said. Kudos, Dar. Good thinking. Darlene smiled. Tattletail gave me another eye roll. Don't roll your eyes at me. We want to train them to negotiate well. It's part of guiding them. Darlene added, more for Chicken Little and Kenzie's benefit than mine. I grew up with more brothers and sisters than I could really keep track of, and we had to negotiate and fight over everything, sometimes with powered older siblings or with our moms, too. It's good. Thinking outside of the box instead of getting zoomed in on the back and forth, I said. She smiled more. Kenzie reached up and over her own head to give Darlene a pat on the back. Tattletail looked a little exasperated, her expression and tone like she was considering me one of the children to be managed instead of a partner in this. If you want me to pay a thousand, us to pay a thousand, I said. Partners. Obviously, Tattletail said. We're going to want to get our money's worth. But if you want to relax a little, then you can have a dinner date. Darlene's eyes narrowed. The others seemed unfazed. With your friends, and we'll relax our expectations accordingly. Yes? Chicken Little asked. He poked Darlene in the side of the stomach. Please? Darlene looked down at Kenzie, who nodded her head in an exaggerated way. Okay, Darlene said but make it 750 and we'll knock 50 bucks off to give you your 700 if Antares bullies Tattletail some more. Find an excuse to give her a noogie or a wet willy or something. Take her down a peg because she's getting annoying and rude. A little resentful of the jabs and teasing Tattletail had fit into the debate, apparently. Darlene had gone from heated and annoyed to sullen to pushing back against Tattletail on the price point and now, having said that, seemed much more at ease very quick to adjust on an emotional front. Deal, I'll see what I can do, I said. Because anything that reinforced a healthy pushback against Tattletail was a good thing. Tattletail suppressed a sigh and gestured. Come on, then. Up and at him, chicken. Here, buds, Kenzie said, handing off some devices to Chicken Little. Sound should be better, but we'll see. I'll call Imp and get the sign off, Darlene said. I'm here, Tattletail said. You're hiring us. Darlene said. Rules are that if the undersiders hire us, then we ask Breakthrough if the job's okay. And if Breakthrough hires us, then we ask undersiders if it sounds good. And if it's not either of you guys, then we can ask anyone, or we ask both groups if it's serious. 
good rules, I said. Darlene nodded. But since you're both hiring us, then we should ask someone who isn't involved. I like that, I said. Shaving years off my life, Tattletail muttered. Good, Darlene muttered back as she brought her phone to her ear. Be nice to Tattletail, Chicken Little said. Okay, Darlene said, before turning her head slightly, eyes narrowing at Tattletail. Tattletail did an exaggerated eye narrowing of her own. Chicken Little was out of his seat, handing off his chicken to Darlene. He already wore his mask, which was the dinner plate round mask with round black lenses for eyes and a little cone on the lower face for the beak. A coxcomb extension at the top that arced back and over the top of his forehead to join his fauxhawk. He had his red and white coat with the tail feather tails at the back and the pinion cut around the sleeves. He kicked off chicken-styled slippers and slid his feet into sneakers with blades worked into the exterior design, three over the toe and spurs at the back in a talon design. Once the shoes were laced up, he put his hand through a stylized falconer's glove, opened a cage, and had two hawks perch on his arm. Between the large glove and the weight of the birds, it looked like his skinny arm had trouble holding them up. He turned to look at Darlene, who was talking on the phone, no longer sitting on the desk, but walking away from the desk so as to not be overheard. She gave the thumbs up. Chicken Little hit switches, and his office went dark, shutters whirring as they closed it off from the remainder of the office. Because noise, Kenzie explained for me as she ducked under the shutter. The squawking and chirping gets kind of crazy sometimes. You good? I asked her. She nodded. Very. She had a stray lock of kinky hair that had pulled free of the pin. I used a finger to poke it back into place. We'll see if we can time the roadkill thing so I can bring some to Swansong, and you can have a long-distance dinner together. Please? And short-distance dinner sometime this week? Can I come over sometime? If your guardians at the institution say okay, I said. She stepped forward, giving me a sudden, very unexpected hug. Her forehead hit my breastplate with the enthusiasm of the movement, and both Darlene and Chicken Little's heads snapped over to look at us in that moment. I put my arms down, forearm and hands across her shoulder blades. I murmured, I thought you had rules. I'm getting sloppy, she said. It's bad, I know. Okay, I said, not sure what to make of that. Careful. She nodded, hugging me tighter for a second, then broke the hug, bouncing over to Darlene's side. Tattletail, Chicken Little, and I made our way downstairs and into the parking garage that was attached to the building. Snuff was standing by the car, which was running, engine idling. The Hawks went into a cage that was apparently built across the middle section of the back seat, dividing the two sides. Tattletail took the passenger seat and Snuff got behind the wheel. I ended up sitting behind him because of how the door of the cage opened behind Tattletail's and where the booster seat was fit into the car. What are we fact-finding? Chicken Little asked as he strapped in. Turn off your earbud? I asked. I don't want to loop in Lookout just yet, for her protection. Chicken Little hesitated, then turned it off. Thanks, I said. And Snuff? We can trust him, Tattletail said. You didn't use him when we had the thing three weeks ago. She used me, Snuff said. I used him, Tattletail said. I had questions, then I verified, and I put him on duty looking after some secondary interests and projects, because I wasn't as sure I could trust the mercenaries I put on those projects. Sometimes you need a good ally to keep the tent from falling down while you hammer in the stakes. My things are off. My team isn't listening, 
What's going on? Chicken Little asked. A group of people are trying to be sneaky, Tattletail said. Framing others, planting really convincing evidence, possibly for a bigger play further down the line. Possibly to sow discord or create divisions within groups. It would be like if someone pretended to be you and sent nasty messages to the heartbroken so you'd never get invited to Aunt Rachel's again, or if they were planting evidence on your computers now so they could mess up your team and all the other teams a year from now. Okay, Chicken Little said. The discourse was interesting from a certain angle. That it felt like Tattletail talked down to Chicken Little, except she had a tone like she was talking down to anyone normally. Just more here. I felt like I approached Kenzie as more of an adult and expected her to keep up, and she was sharp enough to do that with only occasional steering. Based on what she'd told me and shown me, she'd been clever enough even before triggering. It wasn't a tinker thing. Tattletail continued. We know of one case. My power tells me we should expect others. Our first stop's going to be Foresight. Who they targeted, why, and how is going to tell us a lot. You think it's inevitable they targeted Foresight? I asked. Eighty percent sure they would. If it's about controlling information, then they're obvious. If it's about power and going after bigger teams, then Foresight's a good target there, too. If they didn't target Foresight, then it's probably a focus on smaller teams, which suggests subversion. I have a good working relationship with Annalise, I said. We could ask him and see what he's willing to share or hint at without us spelling anything out just yet. This is all secret? Chicken Little asked. Yeah, I said. The more people know about it, the higher the chance that the people who are responsible react or use emergency measures. Right now, we just want a sense of what we're dealing with. Okay, he said. So you haven't told Precipice and the others? No, I said, thinking about my team and what would unfold if the character assassination went any further than it already had was a dark thought, tempered by how Chicken Little had phrased the question. Thinking about Precipice? He's cool. We talked at the hospital when we all visited Lookout. I smiled. He doubts himself a lot, you know. He's had a rough go of it. All of us have, Chicken Little said. He leaned back, resting one arm on the top of the cage with the eerily still and quiet hawks in it. But some of us, like the younger Heartbroken and Lookout and I, we had stuff happen so long ago that we don't remember it, you know? Is that what Lookout said? I just kind of figured... I nodded. I wouldn't out her or correct him, especially with a strange mercenary and manipulative thinker in the driver's and passenger's seat, respectively. We don't remember it all, but a lot of the time it messes us up. Feelings get mixed up, swapped around, or we have something quirky. For me, it's dreams. For some of the heartbroken, it's like wires get crossed. Good way of putting it, I said. And there's the scope of the agent-parahuman relationship, right? I don't know about that. The way it was explained to me in courses I took, the earlier you get your power, the less defenses you have. You don't know how to work with it or make it do exactly what it wants, so the power has more room to make you change or adapt instead. That makes a lot of sense, Chicken Little said. And it's like if a chicken grows up in a coop that's too small, it ends up deformed. Or if a tree grows into a fence and it gets warped and there's metal in the wood. We have something big occupying the space he tapped his forehead, and grow around that thing. Yeah, I said. Yeah, I like those analogies. Perfect. Did Precipice have powers for a long time? No, 
I said, last year. I have more experience than him, Chicken Little said. That's funny. I smiled. He made knives for fun, he said, Chicken Little said. And even handmade bear traps from scrap once, like Biter and Bite Size have for their masks but weaponized. That was before he was a tinker. I think he spent a long while without TV or internet. Not even that many books to read, so he kept his hands busy. Given the situation, he could have done worse, Tattletail added, in what probably passed for a compliment coming from her. Situation? Chicken Little asked. That's for him to share if he wants, I said. You might already know parts of it. He does, Tattletail said. But maybe I'll send him with Lookout for one of the drop-offs and you guys can catch up. Chicken Little nodded, enthusiastic. The chatter continued as Snuff pulled onto the highway, picking up speed. Foresight. Foresight had good aesthetic running through it. Cursive-style loops and sweeping lines in white ran across glossy black panes that decorated the walls, those scripts gathering together for specific signs, symbols, and images. The places where those decorative panes weren't set up were naturally eye-catching through their absence. Brio's portrait had been hung in one of those absent places. It wasn't the only hung portrait. There were areas where plants were on shelves, the vegetation draping down, but the tinted lighting made the green plants look nearly black. With the way they hung and crawled against the wall, the black was against a backdrop of white, above panels with more tangled cursive, or against light panels inset into the wall, a dose of nature, but focused on exaggerating the abnormal. The visitor's area was surrounded by a gallery of images of each of the team's heroes. Each image was larger than life, floor to ceiling, each figure made even larger by the fact that a given image only captured a portion of them, at least half of their upper body residing outside of the frame. A picture of effervescent, a pale image against a pitch-black background, hair falling around her shoulders. The colorful nature of her costume desaturated in a way that fit with the hallway's scheme, while still hinting that she had the most colorful costume on the team. After effervescent on the left side was a picture of Annalise, a black costumed figure against a stark white background. The white of the mask with the black cursive scrawling of the dagger on the eye patch standing out given the composition. Then a picture of crystal clear, crystals and skin white and light against a black background, respectively. So it alternated on both sides of the hall. Annalise and Effervescence stepped into view, the two of them talking well before they were in my earshot. Annalise put out his hand to shake. I shook it. Effervescent didn't offer me anything, and I didn't push. Honestly, as bad as things might have gone, I was pretty content with being set up against these two. Annalise and I had gotten along for a while now. He was an attractive guy, going by his fitness, and he'd made some attempts at inviting me on dates, including one at a crime scene. Effervescent was one of the thinkers who had rejected me when I'd applied to join Foresight after the community center before Jessica's therapy group. Checking out the competition? Annalise asked. I don't see us as competing, I told him. We're all on the same side. Including the undersiders? Effervescent asked. They're parked outside, Annalise clarified. The remark got a look from Effervescent. She might have wanted to try to trap me in a lie or omission. We're pursuing a joint project, I said, or I am. 
I needed someone with her particular skills. Thinker skills? Annalise asked. We have thinker skills, Effervescent said. You could have come to us. There's another joint project where we're collaborating, I said. Lookout got hurt a few too many times in too short a time frame. We decided it was best to get her out of that situation before any institutional crackdown. During the whole Cradle March mess, we ran into the Undersiders and she got along with a few of the kids in Undersider orbit. Lookout is pursuing a team with them. It puts Undersiders and Breakthrough in irregular contact. Effervescent folded her arms, tilting her head slightly as she looked at Annalise. If it works, it works, Annalise told me. The kid's hers? Effervescent asked. Chicken Little, one of Lookout's teammates. We hired them to keep it fair, and we're using it as an opportunity to train them, teach them what to look for. A simple, minor mission. I still have a hard time getting a read on you, Effervescent said. But there's more to this, isn't there? There's always more to a situation, Annalise said. When you get information, you get three quarters of the information at best. When you dig again, you get three quarters of what's left, but things shuffle, change, and adapt in the meantime. A problem bloats, a person develops in response to whatever you're adjusting. And I'm not interested in high-level back and forth over the philosophy of information gathering, Effervescent said. For a colorful personality, she was kind of pissy. Is there something more to it, Antares? Yes, I said. I paused. I can't really get into it. I want to look into some stuff, and I want to ask for you to give me the benefit of a doubt here, because I can't explain it all. I've gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with some of the tough contenders these past couple of months. I'm hoping that counts for something. They exchanged a look. Annalise had his arms folded, and I saw his fingers lift away from his arm, too extended. I'd have to ask Count, Effervescent said. What do I tell him, Lace? What can you tell us? Annalise asked me. You have options, I answered. I can tell you nothing. It's the least complicated option. I investigate, and at some point, ideally tonight, I get an answer and I fill you in with all the rest of the teams. What's the drawback? Effervescent asked. That it's not a safe option, I told. It's the least complicated. The safe option is that I lie to you. What I tell you lets you know what to watch out for, but it doesn't get into the problematic stuff. And if you tell us? Option three is I tell one of you, and they join me for the next short while while we dig through this. We're tied up, Annalise said. Stuff to do. Can't take a sabbatical. What are the consequences if you tell us outright? Effervescent asked. I haven't gotten into this with my own team, and I know them. I don't know most of Foresight. I need to diagnose the problem before I can diagnose the consequences, but I can tell you it'd be bad. Effervescent nodded. She looked at Annalise again. I like option two, he said. The lie. It tells us the most, and I think safety is the best priority. Going by her judgment. Yeah, Annalise said. What's your read? Seems genuine, as far as I can tell. I say go ahead. Not running it by the boss? I asked. Countenance is busy, and he trusts us. Trusts me, Effervescent said. And as far as Lace goes, he trusts me to keep tabs on and find Lace if he goes missing. I raised an eyebrow at Annalise, which I could only do because I wasn't wearing my mask. I had a thing a little while ago when the team was new, Annalise said. We were supposed to be paired up for jobs. I dodged Effie. 
Effie caught me with, uh, the reason for the dodging. A rooftop liaison with a villain or villainess? I asked. You don't have to answer. A villainess would have been easier than the liaison ended up being. That's actually true, Effie said. And I feel bad. Half true. Annalise laughed a bit. Good enough. You want to tell us your convenient lie here in the front hall of our HQ or step away somewhere? Outside? Tattletail can chime in, fill in the blanks. I saw them exchange looks. Believe me, I said. I know. Every doubt, every suspicion. I get it. I know 100%. But I think including her helps all of us. All right, Effie said. Yeah? Yeah, Annalise said. We made our way outside. Annalise held the door for Effervescent and me. Fuck me, Effervescent said. That's a big-ass bird. Tattletail was outside the car, leaning against the side. Chicken Little was sitting on the trunk while his eagle was perched in a tree above him, devouring one of the twenty crows that occupied other branches. His hawks were out of the middle-seat birdcage and rested on his shoulder and glove, respectively. Snuff was a good fifty feet away, his hood pulled up to show a jaw with no chisel to it, covered in stubble. He was smoking with enough intensity that a cloud surrounded him. I recognize him, Snuff, Annalise observed, as we got closer to Tattletail. Is it a problem? Tattletail asked. He was a murderer for hire. He was pre-amnesty, Tattletail said. You didn't answer my question. Is it a problem? No, Annalise said. You let him hang around with a kid? I hang around with who I want to hang around with, Chicken Little said. Right, big guy? The eagle made a sound that made me think it wasn't doing so hot. Loud, but the furthest thing from fierce. We'll work on that, Chicken Little said. Eagles have the worst screeches. What about you two? The hawks screeched, the one in his arm flapping its wings without taking off. Several of us winced at the sound. Bothering the neighbors, Effervescent said. She indicated the street. Lots with businesses ran into lots with houses with no rhyme or reason. I was put in mind of the eclectic mix of dentists, doctors, pharmacies, convenience stores, clothing stores, and houses one could find in a typical Chinese-American part of town, but this was just regular town. Oh, sorry. I can see why you'd be worried, Chicken Little said. I'm not worried. I'm saying, literally, they're bothered. I'm aware. Chicken Little ducked his head down a little. I thought it was cool. It was, Effervescent said, but cool has a time and place. As I see it, if you're trying for cool, you're doing it wrong, Annalise said. Chicken Little huffed, sitting up straighter, looking like he was going to start an argument. Tattletail reached out, and the hawk on Chicken Little's glove flapped violently, turning its beak her way. Huh? What? Did you want something? To get your attention. Let us talk business. Listen and learn, all right? Chicken Little huffed again, but he nodded. Clandestine business you apparently can't tell us straight, Annalise said to Tattletail. Essentially, she said. She turned my way as she said it. We're going to tell them a lie that serves as an analogy, I told Tattletail. Your call, she said. Consider this a, uh, poaching job, I said. One group trying to steal members from another. A group of people are out there looking for easy targets. My feeling, and I'm not sure if Tattletail agrees, 
is that this was something aimed at new members of the team and at fringe members. They're breaking up teams and looking to recruit them once they're gone? Annalise asked. After a pause, where he saw my expression, he added, In this hypothetical or somewhat relatable situation? Yeah, I said. Has the recruiting already happened? Effervescent asked. Do we look at people who've left for cryptic reasons and joined some specific team, or... No, I said. We're not there yet. And you're prying, Tattletail said. I think we're using this rough outline of the situation to avoid spelling it out exactly. Which would make it bad form if you pried. Okay, Effervescent said. You don't want us prying why, exactly? Because there's a lot of potential misinformation flying around, and if someone else starts following up or trying to cover their asses, we lose the ability to follow the trail, Tattletail said. That, too, I said. It's where we need your trust. No recruiting happening yet, but some splintering of teams or targeting of vulnerable people, Effervescent said. Tattletail rolled her head back. You're prying. You stopped for all of five seconds, and you're prying again. As a professional prier, I'm in actual pain here. You tell me not to pry, and then you tempt me with a line like that, Effie said. Do you have anyone? I asked, aiming to interrupt. Do you know anyone who fits this bill? It could be recent, could be just starting. New or fringe member is my guess, but someone where there were recent revelations or some initial grumblings, or anything weird that has you or your group distancing yourself from them. Annalise and Effervescent exchanged looks. Who? Tattletail asked. It's not that cut and dry, Annalise said. That's why we're digging into it, Tattletail said. It's why I brought Tattletail in. She can figure out what isn't that cut and dry, I said. Who? Tattletail asked in the next breath. Two of ours, Annalise said. Kind of ours. We were looking at recruiting, with the shift in the amount of work we're doing and the ground we're having to cover. We have a lot of thinkers and we got to know some others through duties like watching the portal or sitting in on diplomatic meetings. Right. Crystal Clear had mentioned doing those duties. Keeping an eye on people coming in through the portals, keeping an eye out for stowaways, for trouble, for criminals. Many of the thinkers had worked in groups to make sure they covered enough bases, weeding out problems before they entered the city and disappeared into the maze of lost people trying to figure out what their identity on this new world looked like. And you recruited two of them? I asked. Ratcatcher and Big Picture, Annalise said. We didn't get to the recruitment part. We had a branding department working with Ratcatcher to see if we couldn't foresight up her costume, get the right design while keeping her look. Big Picture was starting to look into it, Countenance invited him on some patrols and he went with, getting a feel for things. And it went sour, Tattletail said. She looked more lively and interested than I'd seen her in... maybe ever. Yeah, sour's a way to put it, Annalise said. Don't get carried away, Effervescent said, because I really don't think this is a setup. You don't? I asked. They confessed, she said. Big Picture confessed, 100%, no objection, he was fine with leaving. No fuzz, my read on it was clear. And Ratcatcher was fuzzy, Tattletail said, because... Annalise answered, Because it's Ratcatcher. I don't know if you've met her, but when she's quiet, she's like a toddler with a fork in their hand, inching toward a light socket. She's going to hurt herself? 
Chicken Little asked, speaking up for the first time in a bit. Exactly, Annalise said. Or burn the house down, Effervescent said. Oh, well, Chicken Little said. When she's not quiet, she's... Fuck, I'm usually good with words. Annalise snapped his fingers a few times. A fire hose on full blast with nobody to man it, Effervescent said. Yeah, okay. Messy, all over the place, unpredictable, supposedly useful in a crisis, but... If you have to explain it, it's not a good analogy, Annalise said. I'm pretty happy with it, Effervescent said. Even if I want to explain it. Can you explain the situations, what happened with them? I asked. Yeah, Annalise said. Big, no, Effervescent interrupted. There was an awkward pause. Doesn't feel right, Effervescent said. Even if we think there might be a reason to look into it more, it's dishing drama and that's the sort of thing that's between them and our team. Annalise nodded. Effervescent added, But you can talk to them and ask them. If they say the same thing, let them know we say it's fine. You're independently investigating in case something bigger is going on. Can you point us in their direction? I asked. I'll text you, Annalise said. Unless you want to meet up on a rooftop somewhere, Antares. A little more cape than hanging around on a street? Maybe, I said. Slim, maybe, if I'm being honest, but I appreciate the trust. Sure, he said. We appreciate you not talking about this to anyone that wasn't standing here at this meeting, Tattletale said. Hint taken, Annalise said. Tattletail whistled to get Snuff's attention. The guy whipped up what looked like a miniature black hole, sucking up all the smoke and, by the looks of it, vacuuming up a lot of the other particulate, mess, and the light dusting of snow from his hood and the coarse, thick black sweater he wore. Talk to you later, Annalise said. Yeah, I replied. Snuff started up the car and we pulled away from the street with the Foresight headquarters. You're aware of what the rooftop meeting means, right? Tattletail asked. I'm aware. I said, trying not to give Tattletail a tell as she watched me in the rearview mirror. There were a lot of complicated feelings surrounding that. Annalise wasn't my type in some ways, but I ran the risk of having a type so narrow that only one deceased person fit the bill, and there were a few more obstacles in between me, him, and that eventuality. For now, I was content to shift into neutral and coast through this as casually and shallowly as possible. It was flattering. Annalise had a nice build with a tight-fitting suit to showcase it. He was a hero, and as awful as he was with timing, he had some decency to him. So long as I didn't dwell, I could just enjoy the vague idea, try to ad- Wait, what's this? Chicken Little asked, interrupting my thoughts. Secret meetings? He wants to take Antares out on a date, Tattletail said, taking me from the shallow, casual dip into the pool of romantic notions and pushing my head beneath the waters. It's like saying, do you want to come in for coffee? It's not about the coffee. This is, for the record, very awkward, I said. Blame the guy who propositioned you with a bunch of colleagues and old nemesis and a kid hanging around. No, no, I said. I'm happy blaming you, Tattletail. Of course you are. And it can mean just meeting to hang out and catch up. That's true, and that fact is the only reason I didn't drag my fingernails down my cheeks from the cringiness of it, Tattletail said. But I know, and you know, what he wants, 
I floundered mentally while Tattletail pushed my metaphorical self into the deepest corner of the pool. At least she hadn't called me Glory Hole. Tattletail knows stuff, Chicken Little said. Unfortunately, Tattletail said. Not a mental picture I wanted. Unfortunately, agreed, yeah, I echoed Tattletail. Can we change the subject? My phone booped. A message from Annalise. The same stylized image that was on the wall of Foresight was his avatar in phone space. He had the address. 22nd and Block Green. It's not far. Heard, Snuff said. 22nd and Block Green. Um, Chicken Little said. I know we changed the subject. He trailed off, not continuing. It's fine, I said, regretting it as I said it. You can do better, he said. Annalise said something like how you can't be cool if you're trying to be cool, and that seems like a douchey thing to say. Snuff sniggered in the front seat. How do you be cool if you don't start out cool? It's like it's the privilege of the cool by default, and nobody else is allowed to try for coolness. I think you're good, chicken, I said. The heartbroken and lookout think you're cool. Actually, I wanted to talk about lookout because I'm a little unsure about some stuff. We can do that. But before that, I wanted to say that Annalise guy talks about being cool, but I was sitting there thinking his costume and his team's costumes are trying way too hard to be edgy. Amen, Snuff muttered. See? Chicken Little said, with an almost plaintive edge to his voice, as though he was pleading for people to get it at the same time nobody in the vehicle was disagreeing with him. Edgy, as Swansong would put it, is something you live up to. Of course she'd say that, Tattletail muttered. Then he should buy you flowers or chocolate and not embarrass you in front of people so he can live up to it, Chicken Little said. And we're here, Snuff said, which is a shame because I was enjoying this. I'm glad someone's having fun, I told him. Out of the car. I showed Tattletail the phone and looked around for the building number. By the time I turned around, she was pointing at it. Get your birds. Tattletail told Chicken Little. If and when we use them, they should be used non-lethally. They're hawks, and an eagle. Don't use the eagle. That will kill. So will the hawks. They're awesome killing machines. They have feet like fistfuls of knives. And this is practice and training, Tattletail said. Non-lethal. Hang back with snuff. If I whistle, cross the street, come to me. Obey. But I'm the customer, right? Half the customer, Chicken Little said. He turned to me, and even though I couldn't see his face, I could tell he was hopeful. Like the divorced parent thing again, when one parent said no, what she says. His shoulders drooped. Tattletail and I crossed the street, which was busy enough she had to time her crossing to slip between traffic. I ended up flying over. We reached the front door. I wondered if we were breaching some rule of secret identities. Then I saw that the glass panel by the buzzer had slips of stained, coarse, post-gold morning paper where each resident had handwritten their own names. Everything was laid out in neat print except for one, which just said rats. The building didn't look nice, which made me wonder just how the other residents felt about it. I hit the buzzer. Cars whizzed this way and that down the street, one had a bad muffler and roared. Too many lacked the tires, I was sure, to handle the light coating of ice, snow, and moisture on the road. Tattletail whistled. What? 
I asked. When I looked, she was leaning against the railing. She's ducking out the back window. You should really hurry, Tattletail told me. You might be able to fly, but she knows the hiding places. Chicken Little and Snuff were hurrying across the road. And you're... Waiting, Tattletail said. She made a face. She's faster than me. What am I going to do? I took off, up and around the building, dodging a frozen clothesline someone hadn't bothered or cared enough to bring in. I saw Ratcatcher, and she saw me. She was quick, faster than I would have been on foot, and wore a sweatshirt, pajama bottoms, boots, and her mask with its crooked nose. Her hair was a mess, to the point I was pretty sure she'd been in bed when I buzzed in, despite the fact it had to be one or two in the afternoon now. She leaped to another building and caught the fire escape, and then she leaped down, catching hold of an air conditioner, bare-handed, freezing cold metal. She let go with one hand and caught a rat that was tracing her own route, following her. She placed it on her messy hair and then reasserted her grip on the air conditioner. She leaped from air conditioner to window, landing on the frame. I shifted direction, and in the time it took me to reach her, she opened the window and slipped inside. The window shut behind her. I stopped short of entering, because there were enough people in the hallway and I didn't trust myself to not hurt anyone by barreling through. I watched her root and flew around. At the next window, I saw her round a corner. I traced her route again, watching through a bedroom window as she let herself into an unlocked apartment, looked through a kitchen window to see her head into the next room. Back out into the hallway. I opened the window and entered. She was quick enough that I almost missed what happened while I hauled the window open. Only the fact the hatch in the wall was held open for a second to let one of her pet rats follow her in let me know. It clanged shut. I flew to it, and I opened it. By the smell, it was the building's chute to the dumpster. I flew back out the window, tapping it firmly with my foot so it would close, and flew around. She'd put some distance between us. She'd exited the chute and the dumpster at the bottom of it, and I saw her entering a building. Two hawks swooped down, snatching up the rats that had followed behind her. There was a pause, with her holding the door open, the door blocking my view. Then the crooked nose of her mask extended out and up as she tracked the disappearance of her pets. I landed. About two seconds later, while I approached with arms up to show I wasn't a threat, the thought connected. Tattletail had invited Chicken Little for a reason. This reason. She'd guessed Ratcatcher was one of the fringe candidates, and she'd brought the Birdmaster to go after the rats. Non-lethally, she'd stressed. She was going to be so insufferably pleased with herself that it all came together like it did. Ratcatcher didn't look down, her eyes on the sky. At the corner of the building, Chicken Little was jogging, snuff huffing as he followed. We can bring them back, I said. They're unharmed, or they should be. She didn't look away. All we want to know is what happened with you and Foresight. You're not going to arrest me for the other stuff? I shook my head. Then I paused. What other stuff? Should we? She shrugged. Whatever. We just care about the failed recruitment for now. What happened that you didn't get recruited by Foresight? I asked. It started with me getting pissed drunk, she said. Sent some texts to my new boss. Texts? The sort of texts you don't want your grandmama to see. 
Do you remember sending these texts? I asked her. This was a production of Ward by Parahuman Audio. Ward and the Parahuman Stories are written and owned by J.C. McRae. You can find the original text and support the author at parahumans.net. For more of the Ward audiobook, as well as other community works, please visit parahumanaudio.com. Music for this chapter was by Anexia. Editing by Icarus Fallen. Narration by Robert Rain Ramsey. Find more of their work at our website. Thank you for listening.